Chapter Eight of Rowdy of the Cross L by B. M. Bower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter Eight. Pink in a threatening mood. Eagle Creek Smith had at last reached the point where he must face new conditions and change established customs. He could no longer ignore the barrenness of the range or close his eyes to the grim fact that his cattle were facing starvation, and that in June when they should be taking on flesh. When he finally did confess to himself that things couldn't go on like that, others had been before him in leasing and buying land until only the dry benches were left to him and his hungry herds. But Eagle Creek was a man of resource. When the roundup pulled in and Wooden Shoes reported to him the general state of the cattle and told of the water holes newly fenced and of the creek bottoms gobbled by men more far-seeing than he, Eagle Creek took twenty-four hours to adjust himself to the situation and to meet the crisis before him. His own land, as compared to his twenty thousand cattle, was too pitifully inadequate for a second thought. He must look elsewhere for the correct answer to his problem. When Rowdy rode apathetically up to the stable, Pink came out of the bunkhouse to meet him, big with news. Oh, doctor, we're up against it a plenty now he greeted with dimples at their deepest. Huh, grunted Rowdy crossly. What's hurting you, Pink? Forecasting the future, Pink retorted. Eagle Creek has come alive and is wised up sudden to the fact that this ain't gonna be any Noah's flood brand of summer and that his cattle look like the tailings of a washboard factory. He's got busy and we're sure going to. We're due to hit the grit out of here in the first beams of rosy morn and do a record stunt at gathering cattle. Well, we're going to anyhow, Rowdy cut in. That's only the prelude, old-timer. we got to take em across country to the Belknap Reservation. Eagle Creek went to town and telegraphed and, and got the refusal of it for pasturage. He ain't so slow once he gets started. But if you've ever rode over them dried-up benches, you savvy the merry party will be when we get there. I saw jackrabbits packing their lunch along over there. Belknap, Rowdy dropped his saddle spitefully to the ground, is where our friend Conroy has just gone to fill a splendid position. Pink thoughtfully blew the ashes from his cigarette. Harry Conroy would fill one position fine, so one of these days I'll offer it to him. I don't know anybody that'd look nicer in a coffin than that Jasper. And if he's going to Belknap, that's likely the position he'll fill all right. Rowdy said nothing, but his very silence told Pink much. How'd you make out with Jesse? Pink asked frankly, though he was not supposed to know where Rowdy had been. Rowdy knew from experience that it was useless trying to keep anything from Pink that Pink wanted to know. Besides, there was a certain comfort in telling his troubles to so staunch a friend. Harry got his work in there, too, he said bitterly. He beat me to her and queered me for good, by the looks. Huh, said Pink. I wouldn't waste much time worrying over her if she's that easy turned. She's all right defended Rowdy quickly. I don't know as I blame her. She takes the stand any sister would take. She wants to know all about the trouble. 
hear both sides, she said, so she could judge which was to blame. I guess she's got her heart set on being peacemaker. I know one thing. She likes me all right. I don't see how he queered you any then, puzzled Pink. She sure couldn't take his part after you told her all he'd done. Rowdy turned on him savagely. You little fool. You think I told her? Right there's the trouble. He told his story, and when she asked for mine, I couldn't say anything. She's his sister. You didn't tell? Pink leaned against the stable and stared. Rowdy Vaughn, there's times when even your friend can't disguise the fact that you're plum batty. You let Harry do you dirt, and any other man to kill him on bare suspicion of doing, and you never told her when she asked you to. How you lend him money and, and let him steal something right out of your pocket? I couldn't prove that, Rowdy objected. And you never told her about his cutting your latigo? Oh, cut it out. Rowdy glowered down at him. I guess I don't need to be reminded of all those things. But are they the things a man can tell a girl about her brother? Pink, you're about as unfeeling a little devil as I ever run across. Maybe you'd have told her. But I couldn't. So it's all off. He turned away and stared unseeingly at the rim of hills that hid the place where she lived. She seemed very far away from him just then and very, very desirable. He thought then that he had never before realized just how much he cared. "'You can just bet I'd have told her,' gritted Pink, watching furtively Rowdy's averted face. "'She ain't gonna be bowed down by no load of ignorance much longer, either. If she don't get Harry Conroy's pedigree straight out without the varnish, it'll be because I ain't next to all his past.' But Rowdy, glooming among the debris of certain pet air-castles, neither heard nor wanted to hear Pink's wrathful mutterings. As a matter of fact, it was not till Pink clattered out of the yard on Mascot that he remembered where he was. Even then, it did not occur to him to wonder where Pink was going. End of chapter 8